Good evening, good evening. It's time for another KG Fifth Ward Wildcat and Doc podcast. Gentlemen, how are you? Doc, how you doing? I'm, I'm doing well, I'm doing well. Wildcat, how are you? Well, I'm happy. You know, things are going my way for a little bit, watching uh, some women's basketball the last couple of days and men's basketball on yesterday. Well, let's get right into it right there. I guess we can, uh, if if you are so inclined, we'll touch on the Larry Nasser stuff toward the end of the podcast. Let's talk yeah. about Wildcat. What basketball did you see last few days? Well, I saw Rice women's basketball and Rice men's basketball. It we, was pretty good. All you saw games two ships passing the night then, didn't you? Well, let's see. It looked that way for a half. And then the next, the second half, during the first half on the men's side, then in the second half, they kind of like found that, run, that stride. They made a run. They made some stops. But in the end, what's been that um, Achilles heel, you got to contest. You got to defend. You got to close that game. And on yesterday, Cash out, pull up, knock down a, a jumper. Uh, FAU, call a timeout, 30 seconds, got the ball at the uh, inbounds. Shield came over, pick. Ball got the half court, made a throw in. Kid turned around with uh defender, I mean, truly in his face. And at the uh, timeline, just inside half court, on their end of the back uh, of the floor, knocked the three down through the bottom of the net, and bam, game over. I was losing by one, 63-62. And that was against, was that FAU that was against? Yeah. Yes. Uh, go ahead. I don't know. Uh, post-game coach talks about, you know, guys being locked in. Um, and doing everything he's asking to do, which I I saw in the second half, that pretty much was they they're making in game adjustments, but this team is young, and they're kind of like pulling their way through everything. They have some average height, but they don't have that big guy that can create havoc inside and hold down the paint. Once they clear that up, uh, find somebody whoever the, the, where they're gonna get it from. I don't know. But right now, I don't see it on the squad. You know, they uh, two have some kids and all that. That three kids that I saw yesterday that that kind of like uh, uh, sub in and out for in strict in in streaks. They're okay, but over extended period, they're not that guy that can just lock in, boom, you know, settle up and just do what he needs to do to defend. And until they until they get that, that sign that kid there from uh, either outside, uh, either transfer or recruit, it's going to be for a, a long season. Just with the with the uh, men's team. Hopefully, uh, they'll kind of like feel their way through and find out what they you know finish out pretty strong. Uh, everybody, you know, in the conference USA, everybody gets a chance to go to the tournament. So. Guys are talking about that right now, which tells me that they're looking down the road, but right now they need to take care of what's in front of them. 
And uh, Coach Scott Paris Owls are five and seventeen overall, and two and seven in Conference USA. So yeah, it's not going like I think a lot of us believe the team would struggle this year to get wins, considering the number of people players that left from last season's squad. But right, I think just two wins in conference and five overall is a little bit surprising. But uh, I think Coach Para and the staff um, would do okay and turn things around next season and going forward. But today, on women's side, Wildcat, you saw the the better, more successful Rice basketball team. In a long time. So uh, long time. describe that. It didn't sound, based on the final score of uh, 53-45, it didn't seem like it was Deceiving. Deceiving. Off- offensive firepower, but uh, go ahead. Uh, basically what it boils down to, fourth quarter, I was with uh, Coach Langley called a timeout, and whatever was said in the timeout, in the whole, it kind of like came across with, okay, we're going to sell this right now, who who they are and who we are. We're going to separate ourselves. I went on a 13-0 run. It pulled the game out, 53-45 over ODU, and they proved, improved to uh, uh, 6-1 in conference play. 16 and 4 overall. Uh, they're 8 and 0 at Tudor Fieldhouse. And it looks like they have found their stride. And it all, you know, you and I look with the, have, have watched one of the basketball over a long period of time, especially the Owls. Um, this is a trend. Um, it's not a fashionable trend, but this is a uh, almost like a Star Wars trend. From, and it's carried. It, it, it looks like it's carried over from the postseason playoff run that the Lady Owls had last season up to now. And every game, pretty much, they're looking to break records that hadn't been done in a long while over on the uh, off of Main Street at Rice U. Uh, let's see here. Oh, they had a huge crowd of 643 people, according to the box score. 643. Well, That's a massive crowd for Rice women's basketball. I say that being sarcastic, but the, in truth, that is a big crowd for Rice women's basketball. And here. the student body had the student body wasn't wasn't uh, wasn't it wasn't hadn't started as I say blending in and uh, with. Uh, the uh, regular home uh, hometown uh, home crowd, and once that happens, I think it'll get uh, uh, maybe about averaging about eight hundred, you know, a game, which ain't bad. But like you said, yes, it is. Just, yes, it is. It, 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 it is bad. It's not bad for rights, but it is bad for women's basketball. And that's and that's the key. That's the key. Now it's just whatever. I don't know how marketing is done. I don't know if it's separated or whatever. Um, I don't know how much in, uh, influx of uh, the team doing on-campus uh, uh, greetings uh, uh hosting to, uh, you know, improve that. Only time will tell. And uh, you know we touched on Rice. I'll touch on U of H women and men real quick before we get Doc's updates from HBCU hoops. U of H women, I think for the seventh time this season, came from behind in the fourth quarter. Uh, Saturday afternoon, they were down by eight last five minutes to SMU and went on a 16-4 finish kick to win by four. 
they didn't shoot well at all through most of the game. And finally, down the last five minutes during their run, they made five, eight shots and held the Mustangs without a field goal in the last five minutes to win by four. They've uh, they're five and three in the American. <clears throat> and we have, I don't believe we had a podcast since the number one team in the country visited a few weeks ago and ran all over U of H and kind of disappointed me in one sense that the Cougars lost by 60, you know, 95, 35, but no, no, you know, none of us thought U of H would win the game, but uh, personally speaking, I thought U of H would play better. They just seemed to struggle mildly against his own defense that UConn put out there and the length really bothered U of H's shorter guards and wing players. But, the Cougars are five or three. The five wins are the most they've had since the American has existed in a short amount of time that they've been in the American. So they still have a very, very slim chance to earn an, an at-large bid to the NCAA tournament. I did a blog post on it. You can go to com and see what they have to do. And basically, got to win out, honestly, because they have already have three bad losses on the season. And they don't have enough good wins to counteract those bad losses. So only they're going to get those good wins. They, they got to beat USF probably twice, once in the regular season and once in the conference tournament and UCF. And ultimately probably got to get to the conference championship game and lose to UConn in the conference final. And that might be enough to get them to earn a large spot. So that's a, that's a tall task. It's, it's not impossible. They got to play much better than they did Saturday against Esmuda to close it out, get that done. Wednesday be the next chance to play Tulane, host Tulane, 7 p.m. Tulane probably has revenge on their minds because they've led U of H about 21 points in the third quarter earlier this season and lost in overtime to U of H in one of the biggest comebacks in NCAA women's basketball history for a second half comeback. <clears throat> U of H men today, offense struggled pretty much the entire second half, but the defense was constantly solid throughout the game, and they beat South Florida about 23 points, 63 to 40. And this gives you a good indicator of the depth of this year's men's basketball team. Rob Gray, U-Base's leading scorer, only scored two points today. And the Cougs still won by 23. So the game was close at one point, 19-17. And then Fabian Wyatt Jr., freshman, his, his name is Fabian Wyatt Jr., freshman big man for U of H, and Corey Davis Jr., junior guard for U of H, combined to score the last 14 points of the first half to give the Cougs a 16-point lead, and never look back after that. So they cruised to the victory, setting up a big show, showdown game, TV-wise, I guess you could say, Wednesday on the road against first place Cincinnati. Game's going to be on CBS Sports Network. Cincinnati's best team in, in the American. They're a top 10 team in the polls. So it'd be a shot for the Cougars to see if they can, how they compete against Cincinnati and see if they can do a better job in that top 10 road matchup than it did against Wichita State earlier this month, January 4th, when they got smacked around by the Shockers on the road. <clears throat> but the Cougars bounced back January 20th and dominated Shockers here in Houston with about 14 points, and they owned that game for pretty much open tip 
to the closing seconds of that game, completely dominating the Shockers defensively. They shut them down, held them 59 points. Houston's probably most complete game of the season so far. So we got some good basketball here in town. Houston U of H. Doc, I do believe the TSU Lady Tigers have won, and have won six in a row, I think. The men, on the other hand, have some struggles. So share your thoughts. Yeah, certainly with the TSU women, they've seen the bounce back after an early season tough loss to the rival Prairie View at home. And they're on a nice little win streak. But you've had the men, the people are questioning that had uh, lost uh, three out of the last four. Well, uh, they won yesterday four. So you'd say three out of the last five and with all the games being close. Uh, but before I get into the SWAC and bring it back closer to home with uh, Texas Southern and Prairie Virginia, what's going on in the region, we're going to go outside of that, um, get into some MEAC. Uh, but before I even do that, we're going to give a little love to the Division II programs, the HBCUs and the CIAA and the SIEC, because we have some nationally ranked teams that certainly need to be talked about. Uh, for those that uh, follow HBC sports. Uh, let's start with the women uh, being the highest-ranked team. Out here, we're going to start with the women of Virginia Union. Virginia Union uh, University Lady Panthers are 17-1. and They move from the seventh spot all the way up to number four as they continue to win, continue to do their thing, uh, but they're not out of the wins yet as you have actually their rival in Virginia State who is jumped in the rankings last week at number 25 after winning and becoming 15-2. and two. So we'll keep you updated to let you know how those teams are doing in terms of their national rankings. But the Virginia Union Lady Panthers are very solid. This was a team a couple of years ago made a run to um, a Final Four uh, pushing the envelope, trying to get to the championship game. And it looks like this uh, Lady Panther team has reloaded and is ready to make another run. On the men's side, you're going to see it shift to the SIC, uh, with them getting a little love. But the highest-ranked team, before we get into this, uh, SIC with two teams in the top 25 at the Division Two levels, you actually have the Virginia State Men program at 16 and 1 out of the CIAA that moved up four spots last weekend after being ranked 12. They continue to win, get it done during the week. They're ranked all the way up to number eight now. Virginia State is ranked number eight nationally. And this is the NABC coaches poll for those that have an interest in Division II from that perspective. Number 10, as we move into the SIEC teams. We have a pair of the programs out of the AUC Center with Morehouse 16-0 and on the season. Previous ranked fours, they move up four spots last week to number two. Further down in the polls, you have Claflin that was previously ranked 20, but they're starting to slide. They fall to 24. I do know that they've lost another game this week, so they may drop out of the top 25 with Clark Atlanta uh, ranked with 10 votes outside of the t- t- top 25 one and beat Claflin, so they might find a way to jump in the top 25 to give you some analysis on the Division Two in HBCU program. And just before we get in these Division Ones, where we call the major division, uh, we have 
NAIA programs looking pretty solid with Dillard. 16-3 overall, 4-1 and one in the conference race. That's the Gold Coast Athletic Conference as they continue uh, to get things done. On the men's side, you have Talladega at 14-6 and 5-1 and and as they continue to push forward. They're in a much closer race over here uh, with teams like Solana Smith and the conference race just uh, one loss back at 4-2, and two, as well as Xavier at 3-2 and two, and Tougaloo, both respectively at 3-2, and two, uh, trying to find a way to see if they can catch up with Talladega. Uh, back to the women's side of things in the MEAC. You have programs like North Carolina A&T and Bethune-Cookman that continue to win. North Carolina A&T, the Lady Aggies, uh, have a seven-game win streak while the Lady Wildcats and Bethune-Cookman have a six-game win streak as they continue to win and get things done. Very solid. Give you some updates on scores that came out of Saturday's matchup. You have Coppin State that defeated South Carolina State. Lady Bulldogs continue to struggle this season. Uh, they were defeated by the Eagles of Coppin State, 66-39. to uh, Then also on the women's hoop side, you have Delaware State defeating Savannah State program and is really struggling as they have their 12th loss, consecutive loss on the season, including being 0-7 in the MEAC race right now. On to Howard traveling to Maryland Eastern Shore. They lose that matchup as they hit the, get on the road. Maryland Eastern Shore proves to 3-5 and five in the conference race as they kind tried to climb up the ladder and catch those teams uh, at the Upset as we talked about, North Carolina and Bethune Cookman. North Carolina had a big matchup against their rival, North Carolina Central. They get the pair of wins as both the men's and women's uh, programs win. Ladies win 67 54. The men's side is much closer, and we'll give you an update on that score in a little bit and tell you as they actually had to come from behind to win that game. Also on the women's side, Bethune Cookman defeats Norfolk State. Uh, this was an intriguing matchup. As you go in, both teams were undefeated. But the Bethune Cookman Lady Wildcats showed that they are the team to get it done. And they win a tough matchup on the road, 58 to 51. So a nice uh, game there. And Sam U travels to Hampton as Hampton wins a close one, 66 to 65. Improved to 4 and 1, 8 and 10 uh, for the season to give you some. Uh, highlights there in terms of what's going on. Bethune Cookman is 14 and 4 overall, respectively, as they're really uh, solid this season. The North Carolina A&T 11 and 7 with Norfolk State 11 and 6, respectively, to let you know the top three teams in the MEAC on the women's side. Let's jump and see what we can see uh, in regards to the men. Give you some scores and updates there. Who's hot and who's not in terms of those win streaks? As some came to an end. And when you look at North uh, Carolina Central going down to their rivals, North Carolina A&T, uh, as North Carolina A&T comes back after trailing by 20 points. Uh, yeah, Denzel Key scored 15 of his 20 points in the uh, final 13 minutes of that matchup as they were rocking in Greensboro, defeating North Carolina Central 7-64. But at the back hall brawl, uh, you'd love to see that matchup as it just went down. Uh, and they honored in that game. You know how they like to rub it into your rival's face about winning championships. So they bring the football team out, who not only obviously won the MEAC championship after doing it in the fashion you want, beating their rivals, North Carolina 
Central Eagles on the football field, and then they go down and get it done against the SWAC and the SWAC representative Gremlin, as we know by now, as they win the Celebration Bowl and a black college national championship. So there's some nice rings out there for the Aggies of North Carolina A&T. Some other scores that were intriguing in terms of big-time uh, games and matchups, Savannah State continues to show that they want to be in the mix as they're 6-1 in the MEAC race, winning 106-86 to over Delaware State. Kind of jump trucked in there by 20 points as they uh, win handily in that matchup. Howard over Maryland Eastern Shore on the men's side, 85-75. to They're pretty much trying to fall even for the first half of the season as they Go to three and four at six and seventeen overall. Another matchup was Florida A and M at Hampton. Obviously, we talk about Hampton moving to the Big South, who had won uh, three out of the last four MEAC tournament championships, uh, but they're struggling a little bit this year. Two and three in the conference race, they lose to the Rattlers seventy-five to seventy-one, and and we talked about Norfolk State. Uh, giving Bethune-Cookman their first conference loss of the season, just edging them out as they hosted Bethune-Cookman and defeat them 71-70. You had Alex Long had 14 points in the career, high 17 rebounds as they get it done. And Stephen Whitney scored 12 12 points in that contest to help them pull it out against uh, Bethune-Cookman Wildcats to give you some insights there. Coppin State uh, defeats. South Carolina State as they host uh, the Bulldogs there, 73-65. So they continue to get it done. Kind of let you know in terms of the race of what's going on there. Savannah State, as we said, they continue to win. So they won five straight games. North Carolina State bounces back after a tough loss and won five, six games. Uh, they lost last weekend, and they bounced back against the ride and get the win. Puts them in the race. To give you the top teams here, uh, sitting at the top of the race is North Carolina A&T and Savannah State, both at 6-1. and one. The film Cookman Rockets followed at 5-1. and one. And then you have North Carolina Central with that tough loss, goes to 5-2 and two in the conference race uh, with those teams. North Carolina A&T, the only team with a winning record in the MEAC at 13-9 and nine overall. Let's go back and look at the uh, winning side of things. You talked about a little bit in terms of getting into Texas Southern, and they certainly have bounced back with some uh, big wins, getting it done in terms of that race. Uh, with a big win as they went on the road to Alabama A&M, I thought that game may be a little closer uh, than it ended up being. They kind of just did what you'd like to see with the team, pace it out, get it done in terms of that. So that brings Texas Southern's winning win streak, as you said, Chris, to five games. But the team that is really playing well in the SWAC that uh, we have to see if Texas Southern can find a way to keep up with is the Lady Jags of Southern uh, winning seven games. Their only loss, oddly enough, is a Prairie team that is just 4-4. Four four. Looked like they had uh, got some things together when they made that move, but they kind of play up and down. And they rise and place the better teams in the conference uh, beat defeating both Southern and Texas Southern, as we just said, those top two teams in the conference. Uh, but then uh, they'll turn around and lose to a Alcorn State, uh, 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 Arkansas Pine Bluff on the road. So trying to figure that out. 
So they're at four and four. They go into this last matchup to try to get five and four on the first half of the season as they travel now to Montgomery. Excuse me, travel up to Alabama A&M as they lost that game to uh, Alabama State. And the Alabama State is just three and five in the conference who was struggling before they got that win. To kind of give you some indication of what's taking place there. Let me give you some of these scores on the women's side so you can see actually what took place this past weekend in the action. Major upset, Jackson State, the women lose to Mississippi Valley State. That is Mississippi Valley State's first win of the season. Previously, they were 0-19, 0-7 in the slack race. No more. They're now 1-19, 1-7. Big win by the Lady Delta Devils getting it done. And they did it on the men's side. We'll give you that final score in a little bit. Uh, but both of them get off the offer, if you would. So it's good to see. That for Mississippi Valley State Delta Delta. Prairie A&M just told you about this score. It was close, but they couldn't find a way to get it done on the road. They lose to Alabama State, 70-68. Southern, as we told you, they keep rolling, and they defeat their rival, uh, Alcorn State, 64-56. Texas Southern does defeat Alabama A&M, the Lady Bulldogs over there, uh, as they improve to 6-2 with a 55-49 win. Uh, to give you some indications of what's going on in those races. Let's go to the men's side and give you an update in terms of what took place this Saturday in the SWAC. Hey, remember, uh, when you talk about SWAC play, is they travel in players and they play the rival team. So you can flip these matchups of what's going to take place on Monday as that will close out the first half of the season. Uh, and as we get into that, we'll give you some indication of how teams are looking in terms of win streaks and what is going on in the SWAC race a little bit here. So when you talk about that, a uh, big win by Texas Southern, as they got the win, they had lost uh, three out of four games previously as they went on that road trip with Jackson and Grambling and lost two, came back home, uh, win the first matchup on Saturday against Mississippi Valley State, as we said, took them to 0-20. Uh, but then they come back, oh, excuse me, it was 0-19, and then Valley went to Prairie View loss, and that's where the men went to 0-20, 0-7 in the uh, first part of the season. The Texas Southern wins against Alabama. They defend on the last shot as Alabama A&M to tie the game, but Texas Southern Tigers gets out of Huntsville to make it happen. Let me give you some scores so you can get some indications of what took place here. I gave you a little hint about this, is that the Delta Devils won a pair of games for that men's and men did win, uh, so they stopped it. Long win streak. Uh, they were the only winless Division One teams snapping 21 games skid. They went back to last year, as they are now 1-21-7. and They defeat Jackson State, 72-67. to Jackson State was hot and has now lost two out of the last three which makes a matchup against Arkansas Pine Bluff on Monday very interesting as Arkansas Pine Bluff, the team that we told you defeated Texas Southern uh, when Texas Southern was struggling on, check this out, a three at the buzzer where the guy was fouled. So they had a four-point play, uh, which would eventually would have win the game. But then uh, Mike Davis gets the tech to make it even more challenging uh, in and then he goes to the line, hits one of the two technicals, and then he hits the uh, and one, if you would, after that uh, to win by two last weekend. 
Arkansas Pine Bluff, you think they're rolling? They were 7-0. Bramble State Tigers said not so fast. They go to 7-1 now as they lose at home for the first time uh, this season. Bramble State defeats Arkansas Pine Bluff 69-68. Obviously, if Junior scored 18 points, Jermaine Thomas got his second double-double of the season to get it done, so that was a big uh, matchup there. Then, as we said, Texas Southern went 58-56. to as Dante Clark scored at the basket and hit a pair of free throws in closing minutes of the game to get it done for Texas Southern. Kevin Granger Jr., for those out there that know the legendary Kevin Granger, as his name hangs in the rafters at Texas Southern University, Swag Hall of Fame, his son plays for the team, got a time as a couple of players were hurt for Texas Southern, put up six points as he got some minutes in there, still in the rebound, so it was enough to help push the Tigers over the win. Uh, as he gets it done. So, match up where you have two players as you have the father-son combo. Another one like that is McCullough and son is playing on the team as well. Uh, so, you have both associate and uh, VP of Inclusion Athletics, directors, uh, son playing the game. Interesting there. Southern, they continue to win as they're trying to pull it together. They close out the first half of the swag play at 5-4 as they defeat the rival. Alcorn State Braves, 61-48. The Braves that made a run last year are struggling this year and look like they're in a rebuilding mode. Prairie View bounces back as they took a loss at home last weekend and go on the road. Get it done against Alabama State, which is a tough place to play in the Akadome over there in Montgomery, but they get it done 86-80, winning that game. As Zachary Helmson scored 21 points uh, on seven three-pointers to get Prairie View in, in that win over the Alabama State Hornets. And we told you, obviously, about the Delta Devils winning that game, 72-61. Give you some insight of what that looks like in terms of win streak. At the top, the top, top teams are uh, dealing with some losses. Arkansas Pine Bluff lost their first time this game of the season, uh, 7-1. And, and Jackson State is on a two-game losing streak. After starting out 6-0, and they lost two straight. But guess what? As we said, those two teams play on Monday. So you're going to have somebody that is either – Either one of those teams is going to have a losing streak going on, whether it be Jackson State losing three in a row to close out the first half of the season, or whether it be Arkansas Pine Bluff losing two in a row closing off the first half of the season. That should be interesting because teams like Grambling State and Texas Southern are looking right there and lurking to see if they can get back to the top as Grambling probably, the, not probably, but actually the team that uh, is looking the best right now in terms of win streak. They won five straight games uh, to continue to get it won. So it'll be interesting to see how they go as they were placed at Mississippi Valley State team and got their first win. Let's see what goes on there. Also looking not to look out is Southern. We told you they closed out the season five and four as they won four straight games after going just one and four the first half of the conference race. A lot of people were nose on the bluff, but they're starting to win some games. All of their games have been close this year. So that's a team that you want to keep your eyes on to see what's going on. And then to round it out for the Texas programs, you have Prairie A&M sitting at 4-4. Four and four. So they certainly want to get that win over Alabama A&M as they go up to Huntsville to close out the first half of the uh, season in terms of the conference race to see if they can get to that 5-4 and four mark. So that will do it uh, for the HBC Sports Report. Intriguing things going on. What's good, not so good about those teams, and we'll keep 
keep coming. Any any uh, thing you can share, or either one of you can share, regarding the Texas Southern suspension of uh, Trey Jefferson, your leading scorer. My yes, my understanding of the coach's decision. Uh, it came for the most part on the road trip versus Jackson and Gramlin, and um, he had an outburst that the coach just thought was detrimental to the team. And so he put him off the team. It was an indefinite suspension. But I've heard some grumblings that he got the word, Trey Jefferson got the word before the team left on this last world trip that it actually has moved from indefinite suspension uh, to uh, permanent suspension that he'll no longer be with the team. But uh, that's what I'm hearing, so it's not official. So keep your eyes on that. Uh, but it's a tough uh, Trey. Jefferson comes from a very tough background, and he just could not seem uh, to comport himself in a way where that uh, his benefits did not overweigh his detriment to the team. And uh, there's been some back and forth over the last couple of years, and many people said that uh, he was tough in the locker room for the players to kind of deal with his antics, uh, but the coach wanted to try to uh, see if he could push this kid over the hump. Uh, not necessarily because of the talent. Obviously, we've seen a lot of the talent side, but because he knew where the kid came from and, and those kind of things, but it just hasn't seemed to work out. So it's a really unfortunate situation, but we'll keep you updated to see if what I'm hearing is actually going to be the case that is moving from an indefinite suspension to a permanent suspension. Hopefully I'm wrong. Well, based on some of his tweets, I, I don't believe you're wrong. So, uh, so his tweets seem to social media. So his tweets seem to be leaning toward that he is not part of the uh, Texas Southern program anymore. So <clears throat> we shall see if all of that is confirmed publicly. You know, in the coming days. One of his problems, he, he needed to find a way to kind of get off the uh, social media for a while, but uh, he seems to be like a lot of uh, young people out there. And I shouldn't probably say just young people, but a lot of people, huh, even the leaders of the country, just can't seem to get off uh, Twitter. <laughs> leader of the country and apparently hey. leader of one of the major corporations in in uh, the country took a shot at uh, one political party today. So, um, yes, folks, just sometimes let their common sense is not always common. I'll just put it like that. So, <clears throat> don't push sin. Don't push sin. Do not push sin. Do not. Let's, uh, we gotta, we gotta remember that. Before we wrap it up here, was asked by one of our loyal listeners and to uh, share some thoughts and opinions on Michigan State University and the Larry Nassar scandal and, I mean, on, as well as USA Gymnastics because they were also at fault for not dealing with um, Larry Nassar years ago when all the complaints, sexual abuse, sexual assault claims were presented to them years ago and they let him continue in his employee, you know, capacity. So 
the USA board resigned, gymnastics board resigned. I mean, they were basically urged, encouraged, told to do so by the U.S. Olympic organization. Yep. Given a deadline and everything. So, yep, they they stepped down and they have they cleaned house and the president at Michigan State resigned Thursday night, Wednesday night, Thursday night, and then Friday morning, the athletics director at Michigan State retired. Some folks, some media outlets say he resigned. He said during his press conference that he was retiring. And then, of course, hours later, word comes out that ESPN Outside the Lines was having a report about Michigan State's men's and basketball uh, programs doing a poor job and I guess shielding uh, more assault claims years ago. So A.D. Mark Hollis looks like he stepped down before that hit the fan. So just read your thoughts and honestly we can sum it up. I can sum it up in the sense that Michigan State University seems to be more concerned about protecting their brand rather than doing the right thing. Yeah. And I uh <laughs> I didn't. I wasn't able to watch the whole thing, but I was able to watch uh, uh, on uh, when the judge did uh, the sentencing part of the trial when the judge get allowed NASA to make his statement, his final statement, and the judge made her final statement before administering a sentence, and it was a look of pretty much everybody in the courtroom. And then a jury panel. And Doc, you pretty much, you, you know where I'm going with this. The jury panel, it was a stone face. And it was almost like, yep, we did the right thing. But it was also a question of how could this go on so long? And nobody, and I mean nobody, not the school, not those club teams, not USA Gymnastics. Uh, even to USOC, to a certain extent, allow this behavior to happen and no one questioned about his antics and his abuses. And when you hear the story of young girls saying they physically harmed themselves to not go to camp and not go to training just because they were tired and they weren't being believed. That bothered me beyond no means. And I guess it has to do with, I got a sister, I got nieces, even though they weren't into gymnastics, but to see that go on at that age, at that age group and nobody, wanted to listen or hear it was almost it was all just just about what you just mentioned the brand the image and if you don't toe the line you're gone we don't need you anymore stop i'm surprised that we all sound surprised 
Oh, oh no, no. I'm I'm not surprised. If we, I'm saying the general public. Well, yeah, general public is naive. Yeah, when I say we, I'm talking about the general public. I know we're critical, and so certainly we've opined on this issue uh, more than we would like to in the case that it is repetitive. But uh, you come in a society where we've seen an official elected at the highest level in this country that has used his white privilege, his male privilege, and used it in a very ugly way uh, in terms of calling out people. And this is just another example of what we've seen happen in Penn State. Uh, when you live in a place literally where you had the Supreme Court make a ruling that companies uh, could be seen as if they were uh, individuals, human individuals in terms of how they could operate. So when you have a landscape that uh, capitalism is the top bargaining trip, you can see why organizations would become overarching in terms of the need to protect the brave at over all costs. And when that happens, you want to believe this white privilege, this male privilege, this hierarchy that we talk about in this country where you literally can have young people, white young people, and in many of these cases, girls, tell stories and nobody believes them wants to believe them, refuses to believe them, in fact, punishes them uh, if they want to voice what is taking place to the point where you have a whole institution, two institutions, a university and the Olympic Committee who essentially look the other way Mm -hmm. because it was the easier thing to do. Uh, And again, what people really need to consider is what is the atmosphere that would allow an organization not just to look the other way, but the amount of time they're able to get away with looking the other way. That's the other thing that you want to attack here. Yes, it finally came out, but this is after some 20 years. How can this be done in 20 years without there being a complicit biasness within the nature of the country that we reside and the underpinning that provide this. And in 2010, go ahead, Doc. No, go ahead. Well, in the last few hours, a few days, uh, November 17, 2010, it's been reported that at that time he was new on the job as NCAA president, Mark Emmett received a letter of uh, 37 reports of sexual assault by Michigan State athletes that had been reported the previous two years. So based on that, Mark Emmett at the NCAA knew about some of the problems and violations and and assaults at Michigan State and didn't do anything. Nothing. He looks the other way and it comes out and be the first one to tell you that you can't take get a tattoo. But, hey, y'all hurting women. Well, we don't want to make that a problem because our overall ratings might go down. And so I don't know. How, how are these coaches going to survive? I think that's going to be another thing to watch because you're talking about powerful 
a man who made a lot of money for the institution, was one of them on the basketball side, literally winning national championships. Um, so there's going to be a lot of reason for a lot of people to try to find a way to protect him. And on the back football side, yeah, him playing for Rose Bowls, playing for uh, making it to the um, college football playoffs. There was a lot of money involved there, so they're going to want to protect him. And so this may even be exacerbated and go further because you're going to have a lot of apologists for these individuals that find a way to let this go. And then to me, what's going to be sick at this is you're going to find that now they're going to go to the other side, right? And you're going to find the cases where now they're going to want to punish and the individuals that will be the face of that punishment are going to end up being individuals of color. Mm-hmm. So you're going to see a proportional amount of adjudication for one side, but all these enablers that look white and have a gender of male are going to find a way for the most part even if they somehow pushed out a position of power, uh, that uh, they will keep all that financially and even keep their dignity uh, in their history moving forward. So it just is uh, frustrating from the standpoint this is just perpetual in terms of the way we live in society where disproportionately um, men and women of color and then even white women to add on that in terms of non-majority speaking, uh, just continue to get uh, pushed back. And it took, if you think about it, it took a major organization to even go at the other major organization, which was ESPN, to do that outside-the-line piece, uh, which was one where you just continue to shake your head and watch it. And you had all these young ladies talking about it in some of their first lines of defense that tell them were older women. Yes, exactly. A concern. So you get in such a situation that even the women that find a way to finally crack the code and get themselves in leadership position, that somehow they go along and align themselves with the majority. In fact, that they almost take on they're framing a thought, and they become a part of the problem instead of the solution. You know, it's, I mean, and we, we hear that in the cases in, of the Me Too movement where the older generation of women were critical of some of the younger women in the, you know, any sexual assault cases, but specifically the Harvey Weinstein cases. Well, how were you dressed? Were you flirting with him? You brought it upon yourself by your attitude and, what, and how you cared. Really? That's older women thinking that way. Older white women thinking that way. So I'm kind of cautious when I hear younger women and, and colleagues of mine who say, well, see, this, the easy solution is just put women in power. And then I have to remind them, you do know that the president of Michigan State was a woman, right? Right, and the women who were critical of the yes, the trainer that the many of the women first went to that was under this monster was a woman. So accountability should be genderless. 
all of us should be accountable for our actions, but as well as our friends and peers. If you see something or told something, don't just keep it hush-hush, keep it to yourself. You need to do something about it. Instead of waiting weeks, months, years until somebody else brings the light and then you come forward. Well, you know, I did hear about this years ago. So why didn't you bring it up? Well, you know, I just wasn't comfortable about it. I didn't, I didn't feel like I should. It wasn't my place. And all that time that elapsed, other women or men, because it, men can be sexually assaulted as well, could be assaulted instead of nipping it in the bud years ago at the root when you first heard about it. Accountability, and it, it's different levels of it, you know, politics, sports. We're, we're placing entities on these pedestals. And once you get to that, that pedestal, oh, well, you know, you, you, look, you choose to look the other way because, oh, it can't happen to him. He couldn't have done that. She couldn't have done that. She's, she's my hero. She's my shero. He's my hero. He couldn't have done that. Oh, no, not, not him. Not them. They wouldn't do that. Accountability should matter. Who, who is involved? Wrong is wrong, right is right. The older I've gotten, the more I've come to accept that. When I was younger when I was a kid. So-and-so star athlete, so-and-so movie star. Oh, no, not him, not her. Couldn't have been. No, no, no. Forget that. Accountability. Everybody should hold each other accountable for his or her actions. Period. Anything to add nope. before we wrap it up? Wildcat, you still there? Maybe not. I don't have anything to add. I think that was well said. How can folks find you on the internet? Doc? They can find me at tac-agency.com. Uh, uh, for the website and really get all this information in one place. Um, but you can also follow me on Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram, social media platforms, at Dr. Kenyatta Cavill, that's D-R-K-E-N-Y-A-T-T-A-C-A-V-I-L, that's D-R-K-E-N-Y-A-T-T-A-C-A-V-I-L. You can catch me on the radio show, 530-30, that's Dr. Cavill. Inside the HBC Sports Lab with Mike Washington and Charles Bishop every Tuesday from 5.45 to 7.15 Central Standard Time. Uh, that's on 92.9 KKBQ HD2. That's FM HD2. Uh, we stream live on Facebook at uh, Dr. Kenyatta Cavill. And we also uh, do it as a podcast, podcast, I should say, on SoundCloud. And you can catch it live on www.kcoh-tv.com as we broadcast out of the historic KCOH studio. Again, that's every Tuesday from 545 to 715. We do uh, HBCU update. Uh, previous show, we had the provost, the new provost, Dr. Kendall Harris at Texas Southern University talking about athletics and academics, what is the mix 
or what is the perfect mix in the institution, uh, try to get some insight just to get a different voice on what it looks like when we talk about athletics in general, specifically from HBCU's perspective. And I am KG of the Houston Round Ball Review, HoustonRoundBallReview.com, Houston Round Ball Review on YouTube, as well as Instagram, Twitter. My name is The, The, T-H-E-H-R Review. Thank you for tweets and retweets and suggestions, as well as, um, I think, Twitter or my blog. I'm not really sure which, or being a member of the United States Basketball Writers Association got me an invitation to participate on part of Bearcat Nation podcast to discuss Wednesday's upcoming matchup between Houston Cougars and Cincinnati. I'll be a guest on on the, that podcast on January 29th. So follow me on Twitter. Once that's posted on Bearcat Nation, I'll post um, links to that, how you can listen to it. So that's that's always nice to be acknowledged, recognized on a national scale, as well as I was asked to do an article for Women's Hoops website, uh, do an article on my thoughts of seven indispensable women's basketball players on the college level. So that should be, uh, I think she finally was able to finalize that. So sometime this week, hopefully that'll be on her website. So once again, I'll post links to that as well. So try and do different things and grow and expand my name and, and uh, get my name out there and keep the Houston Round Ball View growing. As we try to keep these podcasts growing, we kind of, the weather and different things took place the last few days and weeks. We're going to try to do better. Do my pot, do the podcast more regularly, and get back in that routine like we used to in the past. Do better for 2018. Our podcasts are available on SoundCloud, iTunes, uh, Google Play. I do believe Pod Directory. So the Facebook page is KG Bitford Wildcat and Doc on Facebook. So different ways of listening to the podcast, different ways of connecting with us as well. So, gentlemen, thank you very much for your time, as always, and your insight. We touched on a few different things, and we one of our lines, you know, hashtags, things that we're proud of as we discuss sports and more on the KG Fifth Wildcat and Doc podcast. We're going to continue doing that. Some folks like it. Those folks may not listen to us much longer than they give us a taste. Other folks appreciate it for us doing more than just talking about sports. So that's what we do here on the KG Fifth Foot Wildcat and Doc podcast. That's what we will continue to do going forward. So I'm going to wrap it up. We'll talk about the Rockets more in future podcasts. Don't worry. I know they're 35 and 13. I know they're rolling, kicking butt, and and uh, had a good win today over Phoenix after a tough loss Friday night in New Orleans. But this podcast focuses on specific things we want to get off our chest and share our opinions with you. So we're going to wrap it up, as I always do. In conclusion, be true, be cool, and do more.